the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. So our first point this morning is to remember the incarnation. The incarnation. The Lord Jesus Christ became a human being, just like us in terms of what it means to be a human being. The Holy Spirit worked a miracle inside Mary. A baby was conceived within her, and yet that baby had no human father. And the Word, who is the Creator, John tells us that in verse 3, became as a creature. And the Word, who is from eternity, because he is from the very beginning, God, he entered into time, became one of us. Mary gave birth just like every other woman has given birth. She gave birth to a real, ordinary baby. He was completely dependent upon Mary for everything, just like any other baby depends upon the loving care of its mother. At a few months old, he started making babbling noises, just like any other baby, as he began to learn how to speak and communicate. At about the age of one, I guess, he found that he now had enough strength in his legs to hold his own weight, and he learned how to balance and then to walk. And so he continued to grow, just as any normal child would grow. Except there were some differences. He wasn't an ordinary baby, even though he was. He was still who he had always been. He was still the eternal God in all his glory and power and wisdom and might. But for now, well, that was hidden from human eyes for now. So that all they saw was a baby, a toddler, a young boy, a teenager. And yet they witnessed someone who did all of those things and did so without any sin at all. He was still completely and fully God. He was God incarnate, the word become flesh. In addition to what he has always been, was added to him the, the body and the nature of a man. Incarnation. At various times over the years, um, I've heard two things mentioned uh, in terms of the word incarnation to help explain what it means the word that describes an animal that eats only vegetation, plants, grass, seeds, what well, we call that kind of animal a herbivore. But what kind of word describes an animal that eats only meat? Well, we call that kind of animal a carnivore. Uh, what is chili con? carne, because these are the two examples I've heard mentioned over the years. A, a flesh-eating animal is a carnivore, and we eat chili con 
well, not everybody does, chili con carne. If you're a vegetarian, you won't eat chili con carne. You'll eat chili con something else because chili con carne is literally chili with meat. A carnivore, con carne, incarnation. He became flesh like us. So that's why we use the word incarnation. That's where it comes from. Made flesh. He had a body and a human nature just like yours and mine. Yet was able to live without any taint of sin. But he was fully God. And there's these unique things about this baby born in Bethlehem. Although he was 100% human, unlike you and me, he did not have a sinful nature. He had a human nature, but it was not a sinful nature. And so he grew up and remained completely without sin. Not one single sinful thought ever went through his mind. Not one sinful motive or feeling or desire ever lurked within his heart. And yet he knew what sin was. He could feel the pull of sin. He could feel, he knew what, he knows what temptation feels like. Yet he remained without sin. Never once did he yield to it. Never once did he give in to it. He was always able to perfectly resist it. But the Bible says he, he can sympathize with us. So here is a, a boy, a teenager, a man who at every point in his life loved God perfectly with all of his heart and soul and mind. He honoured his parents in every possible way. He never told even the smallest lie or fib. He was never jealous or envious. He was never unforgiving. He never bore grudges against people. Although he did sometimes get angry, but it was a righteous anger over the kinds of things that anger God. But he never bore grudges against people. He never lost his temper. He never used any kind of bad language. Because this very ordinary baby was the everlasting God. He came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all. And there's mystery in this incarnation, isn't there? We cannot imagine what it's like to live as a man or a woman or a boy or a girl and be without sin. It's beyond our understanding because that's all we've ever known. And yet that was Christ. And what an amazing thing for God to do, to come down to us, to come down into this sinful world. Heaven is a place of total goodness and righteousness. There is no sin in heaven. There's no wickedness in heaven. There's no sickness or disease in heaven. There's no pain or suffering in heaven. There's no death in heaven. And down came Jesus to be with us where we are amongst all of this. 
to be as we are, to live as we live, and then ultimately to die. And in his death, it's to die as we should die, in our sins. God incarnate. There's no other message like it, is there? There's no other story like it. That God would come down into this world the way he did in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this one who is the incarnation is, secondly, the Son. That's what the phrase, only begotten of the Father, is referring to in John 1.14. The Lord Jesus is and always has been the Son of God the only begotten of God. Now, when Ben was born, in case you don't know, Ben's my firstborn son. When Ben was born, I became something I'd never been before. And any other man who's here, when you're firstborn, was firstborn, you became something you'd never been before. A dad. You'd never been a dad before then. I don't know how many decades it was that you lived not being a dad. Maybe two, three decades. But you'd, you'd never been a dad before then. But now you are. A father only becomes a father once their first child is born. At least that's how it normally works, but not with God and his son. God the Father has always been the father in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ has always been the son in relationship to his father. He is the only begotten one. Jesus did not become God's son when he was born of Mary. The relationship did not start then. As far back as you can go in eternity past, you'll never find a time when they were not father and son. The children sometimes sing a song. My God is so big, so strong, so mighty, there's nothing that he cannot do. How can Jesus always have been the Word. Because my God is so big, so strong, so mighty. How can he have come into this world as a baby and still be God? My God is so big, so strong, so mighty. There's nothing that he cannot do. How can there ever have been a time when Jesus was not God's son? Well, my God is so big, so strong, so mighty. I'm very glad that God is so big. And this verse speaks of his glory because of who he is. By glory... John is referring to what we might say is the greatness of who he is. 
He is infinitely good. Father, Son, Spirit, all three are infinitely good, pure, true, holy, righteous, powerful, wise, loving, kind, and on and on we could go with the attributes of God, which he has in infinite measure and in perfection. And John is able to say, in the Lord Jesus, we beheld the glory of God. That's what makes him wonderful, as Isaiah calls him. Because he is God. He's God the Son. And because his being the Son does not make him less than the Father, God speaks of his glory. Uh, John speaks of his glory. And what we must never forget at Christmas is that one day that baby will do everything necessary to be the saviour. This Christmas story is about the incarnation. It's about the incarnation of the Son of God who came into this world. And he came into this world to be the saviour. The saviour. Jesus is full of grace and truth. We read in verse 14 of John 1. Everything that Jesus said can be completely trusted because he is truth. It's more than the fact that he speaks the truth. He himself is truth. He said that he's come into the world to be the good shepherd for his sheep. He said he will lay down his life for his sheep and call them to himself and they'll hear him and they'll follow. He said he's come to seek and to save the lost. He said that he's come to pay the ransom for our sins. He says he's come to give us new and everlasting life. He says he's come to call us to repent of our sins and believe in him and trust in him. And everything that Jesus says is true. He says he's come to give rest to restless souls. And if your soul is restless, as one of our old fathers in the faith said, if your soul is restless, it will not find any peace unless you find your peace and rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we don't deserve any of this. We're full of sin. We do all kinds of things which are wrong in God's eyes. We rebel against him. We disobey him. We're, we're, compared to God, we're full of lies and hatred and jealousy and anger and unforgiveness and selfishness of every sort. Everything that makes Christ glorious, we're the opposite of that in our sin. Because of our sins, we deserve only judgment and punishment and condemnation from God. But, says John, we've beheld this one who is full of grace. 
God is filled with mercy and loving kindness. And long, long ago, as we've already considered in this little series, God decided he would save sinful men and women and boys and girls. And he'd save them from that punishment that they deserve. And he'd save them from their sinfulness. Rescue them from the captivity that they're in in their sin. How will he do that? By sending his son. What's the son going to do? The son is going to take their punishment for them upon himself. He'll go to the cross. He'll die as their substitute. He's going to defeat sin and death and rise three days later. But how could God do this? God is eternal. God cannot die. No. Unless he becomes a man who can die. Unless he takes on a human body and nature. Unless he becomes God incarnate. Now he can die. Now he can go to the cross for sinners. So, Joseph, call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So, shepherds, to you this day in the city of David, a saviour is born who is Christ the Lord. But how can I be sure? Why would God do any of this? Because he is full of grace and truth. In a way, I can understand it if people say, well, this just seems too good to be true. But God is so good, it is true. If we are that sinful, why would God do this for us? Because he really is so full of grace and kindness and mercy that Jesus came into this world. Let me assure you, God understands even more than you do how undeserving of this you are. He really does, but he still did it. He still sent his only begotten son that through Christ's poverty and death you may become rich spiritually and live. When we were still without strength Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners Christ died for us, the just one, for all of us who are unjust. Why did he do that? To bring us back to God. The Bible calls that being reconciled. In Jesus and only in Jesus is there this salvation and this forgiveness of sins, cleansing from sin, life in his name to all who will believe. And we note in this verse one thing that the Apostle John had, which perhaps you may lack this morning. Because John was able to say, we beheld 
his glory. We saw the truth of this man, Jesus. We saw him and we understood. Now, you could be sure if John was here and we could actually ask him, he would tell you, no, there was a day when we didn't. There was a time when we didn't. But then we did. We did. And there are many people in the room this, this morning, and if you ask them, no, there, were, there was a time when I didn't. But now I do. I, I, don't, do, I don't see him perfectly. I, I probably still don't see him fully as I should. But I see him for who he is and for what he's done and the glory of him. All of us are born with spiritual blindness. We cannot see Christ for who he is in our sinfulness. We cannot see him. We cannot accept our need of him. The Apostle John, like any Christian, he's received sight that he might see, really see, truly see Jesus. To behold his glory. To realize that all of these things that the Bible are saying about him are true. Well, maybe you're someone this morning and you're in a position where there's a sense in which you find all of these things quite compelling. And it's not that you'd say you don't agree with it. But you just don't see it yet like you need to. You certainly haven't seen it like John obviously did. You're not yet totally persuaded or convinced like John obviously was. Because towards the end of his gospel record, he says, I'm writing these things that you might believe. Because he certainly did. And he wants everyone else to believe in this Jesus. That's why he wrote this gospel account for us. Well, if you're someone and you, don't, you just don't yet see what to do, what to do this Christmas day in 2021. There is nothing, nothing of greater worth that you could do today than to see this Jesus. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. So, seek him. Ask him. Lord, show me your son. Show me this Jesus. Open my blind eyes. Open my heart that I might see him the way I need to see him. Show me my need of his atoning death on the cross. Open my eyes that I may behold his glory. Lord, be gracious to me. Have mercy on me, a sinner, and fill me with the life and light of Christ.
the word became flesh. He dwelt among us. Do you behold his glory? The only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There is none to compare with this Jesus. Well, may God in his grace be pleased to lead each one of us to the grace and truth of Christ this Christmas time.